0: I think that all of us have these very deep feelings of tenderness. You get stronger as you become more open. If I can be vulnerable, that'll help other people be vulnerable. And it doesn't
1: work for me to be silent.
0: I can't believe I'm going to tell you this story, but I'm going to tell you this story. This is the first time that I've told aloud. If
1: I could have known that you and I were alike. I would have had so much more hope.
0: Listening to other people's stories, you realize... Wow, these people are all experiencing the same thing that we are. You are not the only one. I'm Dr. Ann Hallward, and this is Safe Space Radio, the show about the subjects we would struggle with less if we could talk about them more. My guest today is Alice, who arrived here from Burundi six years ago. Earlier in this series, we met Joanna, who came here from Burundi only three months ago. As you may remember, Burundi is in East Africa, near Congo and Rwanda, and is currently undergoing a major outbreak of violence. Since that country declared independence in 1962, there has been extensive violence between the Hutus and the Tutsis. Since 1995, Pierre Kurunziza, a Hutu, has ruled the country, and in July of this year, he declared a third term after running unopposed. He is Hutu, and under his regime, the Tutsis have suffered considerably. Although in the past six months, anyone against the government is struggling at this point. Alice is Tutsi, the mother of three. She speaks six languages and works as a sexual assault advocate for United Somali Women of Maine, an organization that now works to support refugee women from around the world who have come to live here. Welcome to Safe Space Radio, Alice. Thank you. I'd like to start when you were still at home in Burundi, just to get to know you a little bit. Tell me about your life there. What did you do when you were in Burundi?
1: I was raised in loving family, and I have two sisters. And things changed in 1993. After the death of my father, he was killed because he was Tutsi. And I and my mom and my two sisters, we have to escape from home, and go even different place. And my mom struggled to raise us as widow and single mom. And seeing how things are in Burundi, I was only sixteen. Seeing my father being killed in front of me because just he was Tutsi, I had this feeling that maybe I would do something in the future to prevent these senseless things to happen again in my country. And I went to school. My mom struggled. to send me to school. I finished my education. Then I had my own family. That I get married. And by that time, I felt like I am mature enough and strong enough to start something, to do something about this country. I, My hope and my dream was seeing a country where everybody, despite their ethnicity, lives in peace and harmony. I joined an opposition party because I wanted to focus on women because I have seen women struggling because of the war. They were targeted for rape. Everything that you can imagine bad happened to women. That's why I want to do something to help. When I joined the opposition party, I was in charge of educating women to stand up for themselves. That's why I got in trouble. The government put me in jail so many times because of my belief and because I just stood up and speak.
0: The government put you in jail many times. Yeah,
1: yeah, many times. And I have suffered so many things in jail, policemen. I was like the object, they did whatever they want to my body and, yeah, I was released and by the time I was just left, was depression that. and shame. And they didn't stop, they targeted my myself and my kids, they wanted to kill us. That's why it decided to live and to apply for asylum.
0: So mm. I, I want to just kind of back up and get and make mm. sure I'm understanding a few things. So at the age of 16 years old, mm-hmm. in front of your own eyes, you yeah. watched your father be killed. Yeah. Yeah. Was he someone who had taken a courageous stand against the government? I mean, he what? What? when you say he was killed for being Tutsi, yeah. that was all it took? Yeah. That's he it. was not no. involved in politics no. No. no so you so it brings real meaning to that word senseless violence so mm-hmm. there was absolutely no point to it whatsoever. Mm-hmm. and so you're just a girl, yeah see so you see this yeah when you decided to get involved with the opposition party, were you afraid? Yeah,
1: I was afraid I was afraid first because in my culture women, they don't allow to speak and stand up, because we were just three in my family. We were three girls, and I was like, who's going to speak for my family? Who's going to speak for myself? Because I have no brother. I have no dad. Who's going to speak for my family? So I was afraid, but I did it. I
0: I did it. You said your work was to help empower women to speak up and stand up for themselves, what you were really doing. How did you do that work? What, what, what did that actually involve?
1: Yeah, it's like just... Put them together and through education that they have to overcome this barrier, cultural barrier, that women have to stay home. So just helping them to not giving up, that they are precious human beings. I want to break down that mentality that women cannot do things more than raising children, staying at home.
0: So... As you know, we uh, talked with another woman from Burundi recently, Mm -hmm. and she described a very similar story of being arrested and being assaulted. She was sexually assaulted by the police. Mm -hmm. And I sense, now I'm hearing that that also happened to you. Mm -hmm. Is that widespread in Burundi? Yeah, it is. Do you feel like it's something that's widely known in the country? It was...
1: None, but it's also something like it's normal. Women are created just to be assaulted and raped and whatever. But It's like there's no help. There's no support. You have to live with that shame and sorrow and pain by yourself and just be quiet because there's nowhere to go. Because those people who did that, they are the same people who can, who can charge those people. It's like
0: who right, am the, I police going? Yeah,
1: it? the police doing? Yeah, police doing.
0: So, do you have a daughter? I do have two daughters. Is that part of why you didn't want to raise them there? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't want that. What happened to me happened to them. Yeah. So, how difficult was it for you to get here? As you can imagine, being
1: somewhere that you don't know anybody, you don't understand anybody, you don't recognize anything, you don't know the language. Yeah, it was difficult, that part was difficult. I leave everything behind, my family, my my job, Even my skills, because I have seen that we do not migrate with our
0: skills. It's like... What do you mean by that when you say I didn't bring my skills? Because why? Because here in this
1: country, even though you are an educated person, because maybe you didn't get that education here and you don't know the language, it's like you don't have skills that can help you to start over again but just when you got here and because of the status also
0: you have to its struggle yeah mm-hmm. yeah i wonder as i hear you though if it's like you actually brought a ton of skills i mean I think yeah. about what you're doing now yeah you know extraordinary mm-hmm. but i sense maybe it's like those skills don't get recognized yes yeah but yeah, yeah and that's painful in itself to have mm-hmm. it not be acknowledged yeah 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 mm-hmm. So you're there. You arrive at the airport. Mm-hmm. You have three children. Yep. Where Where did you spend your first night? Yeah, we landed in Orlando, and I spent two weeks
1: in the hotel. And I had more money, so I was like, "What? What's next?" And there is a lady that I met in Fro- Orlando. We couldn't communicate, but she's like, she has a little French, and she asked me who I am and why I was there. I tried to give her a background on myself, and she told me that in Maine, in Portland, Maine, they do have a program that helps people that just came here. And she told me if we can go there, maybe you'll get a little bit to start with, to start off. That's how I got here
0: in Portland, Maine. So you randomly run into a woman yeah. in a hotel. Yeah. She tells you to come yeah. to Portland, Maine. Yeah. And then you do. How did you How did you get here? I took an airplane. Yeah. Mm. So then you arrive in Portland, Maine. Yeah.
1: And, and I went to general assistance the same day, and they. Took us into the family shelter. They gave us food, and by the time we were there, they helped us to find house, apartment, which they paid for it. Also, I had to go to learn English at adult education because there is no way I can work without language. Oh, so you didn't have any English six years ago? No, no. Oh, no, really? So this no. is
0: all six years' worth that we're yeah. talking now. Yes. Oh, wow. Yes, So yes. you went to Portland Adult Ed, which is yeah. where so many people go. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the fact that you speak five other languages, I'm guessing, maybe helped you just a little bit. Yeah, it does. Yeah, Yeah. yeah. French. French helps
1: me to pick yeah. English easily, yeah.
0: How old were your children when you came here?
1: My oldest was 10 Second was eight, and
0: my youngest was five. Yeah. So they are school-aged children. Yeah. What was it like for you to get your kids involved with school?
1: Presumably, they didn't speak English. Either. I. I was depressed. Uh, I was worried about them. I was like, because they didn't speak English either. They spoke only the French. I was like, okay, I bring my kids here to be safe, but how are I going to do in school? They don't have the language. They are struggling. They are bright kids. They are, I, I think because I have small kids, I was like, okay, but they don't know the language. How is that going to work? Like, but I have come to understand that kids learn fast. That wasn't the problem, really, for them to learn the language and to to adjust to the new environment. But being a mom who doesn't know the language, not being able to help them with homework or even leave the correspondence from school, it's like, it was overwhelming. It was like, I was always worried, what, what's this? What this means? What's this means? The letters that you got from The
0: letters, yes. Like. Yes. Did you have a friend who could help you translate?
1: When I go to school, yes, but when I'm home, I didn't have any friend to help me to translate.
0: (laughs) Right, it's a whole other experience of being a parent of kids in school that way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What is it like for you to have your kids becoming more like American teenagers? That there is something about my
1: culture that I want them to keep. Okay, we... We have to adjust to a new home. There are good things about this new culture, but there are also bad things. And in my culture, there are good things and there are bad thing. I try to put the good thing from America and good thing from
0: Burundi. Like, what are the good things about American <laughs> culture that you want for your kids? I like the way this
1: openness, every person is valuable, whether you are. Little or girl or whatever, you have a voice, you have opportunity to take a chance. It's up to you. There is this
0: recognition that a human being... Yeah, I I like that part. And what are the good parts of Burundian culture that you want to make sure your children still have?
1: Respect. Parent is parent no matter what I when I got here I've seen okay kids do whatever they want to do. In some family the kids use that thing to be like to be the boss of their parents. That thing I don't I won't allow the things to happen in my house. I'm the parent. They have to respect me something like
0: that. Yeah. Is there a time when one of your children really wanted something or really believed something that you really didn't. <laughs> yeah, for, a, for example,
1: in my culture, you are not allowed. There's not this thing, boyfriend. That's an example. You have to wait until you get married. And I see a good thing about that. I want my kids to not get involved in the boyfriend things. Yeah, that's the example that I can think of. They they are independent, but it's like okay. Don't and what, and what will yes. you do
0: if they sneak it?
1: <laughs> I, I hope they won't. Well, maybe if they cannot keep it, they will tell me, Mom, You know what? I know you like this, but I feel like it's fair for me to have boyfriend, and I will understand, and I will. I would sit down and talk, maybe to how to set boundaries, so then they cannot maybe lose the focus. Because
0: I understand, I understand that your husband is actually still in Burundi. Yeah. And do you get to sort through some of these decisions with him? I mean, how how does it work to be in communication with him? It's
1: not easy because of so many things. First, communication is expensive between the two countries. And the other thing is feel like we are disconnected in some way. We don't have things in common already because I'm here, he's there. It's like
0: we don't have much to share. And to talk about. Yeah. So that's a really hard thing about being here. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You are the sexual assault advocate Mm -hmm. for refugee women from all over here. Mm -hmm. And let's start really basic. What does it mean to be a sexual assault advocate? It's not really
1: an easy job. That is the subject that is not known in their own culture. And when they come here, they tend to keep that apart for themselves, to live with it, not want to talk about it because of the stigma and the shame around it. It takes time to, for them to open up and talk about it and maybe get help. They need in you know order for them to heal from trauma and all the stuff that they have been through. Yeah.
0: I think when I first heard about your title, I was assuming that it was, you know, domestic violence that was happening now here in Maine. Mm-hmm. But I am increasingly wondering, given the amount of sexual violence I'm learning about that happened before you left your own country, Yeah. what... what Kinds of sexual violence are you usually talking about helping these women heal from? Rape. That's the most common thing mm-hmm. happening. Yes, and, and yeah. primarily here in Maine, or, or no.
1: before. Before, yeah, yeah. And here, it's may happening, but because they're not educated about that, they don't know if they can call it rape because you can experience even rape and sexual assault in your own home with your own partner or husband, they don't know that part.
0: Yeah. Right. Yeah. Is it even legitimate to call it rape if yes. you're when I'm married? Yes. You? Yeah. How common a problem is it for women arriving here from around the world that they have suffered sexual assault before they got here? I can, I can
1: say... From my experience and from people that I'm working with, all of them have experienced rape. All, you're saying all
0: yes. of them? Yes. 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 Yeah. Wow, that makes me want to cry. Yeah. It's really sad to hear that. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't, I had no idea. hmm That feels like such a silenced part of the refugee experience. Yeah. Yeah. So if I almost can't even bear to say the word all. Like I have some part of me wants to say it, but surely there's some. Mm-hmm. But so if if it's if it's so universal, mm-hmm. what are you doing to try to help? Like are you doing support groups? Or are you Offering, like, how, what, how do you begin yeah, we to approach do, that?
1: Yeah, we do support group, and it would be fair if all of these women receive, like, counseling, something like that. But it is not easy these days to access counseling
0: because of their status, if you don't have men care, something like that. Their legal status or their health status? their health they're both,
1: they're all connected. Uh-huh. Their legal status is connected to have the health care and... Yeah. Yeah.
0: So. I find myself wondering, you know, I'm a psychiatrist. I find myself wondering, like, I need to reach out to my colleagues and see if maybe therapists could be offering groups pro bono. So the legal status Mm -hmm. and health insurance status don't matter. Yeah, Because therapists really care about this issue. Mm -hmm. And I don't think people know. Some do. And they seem like...
1: There's not enough resources to support these people.
0: Uh So you talk about the stigma and shame of sexual assault, which Mm -hmm. is so much a part of it. Mm -hmm. I think probably, you know, rape and sexual assault in a political context are so much about silencing and having power over somebody. Mm -hmm. Robbing a woman of her voice, really. So... Are you? Is your organization having groups where people, where women can come together and learn, like that they're not alone? Just, just even among themselves, learning that they're not alone is is already a step. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like that consciousness exists among the refugee community? Of how widespread a problem it is.
1: There is, but culture and the environment is a big thing. It has power on us because that kind of things like. You can keep quiet. Yeah, you will be fine. Mm.
0: Just keep quiet. Yeah, just keep quiet. Yeah, so I mean, for instance, if I was to offer a free group Mm -hmm. for survivors of sexual violence Mm -hmm. at a downtown clinic in Portland Mm -hmm. for refugee women specifically, do you think people would come? Yeah. Yeah, they will. Yeah. Maybe we should do It's going to take time for them to speak up, but they will. So there's so much internal cultural silencing as well that goes on. hmm Yeah. hmm
1: Yeah. I remember when I came here, I had to file my asylum uh, application. My caseworker took me to the ILAP. To free, ILAP, yeah. Yeah. the Immigrant get, Legal
0: Advocacy Project. Yeah. <laughs>
1: it was easy to get uh, legal assistance. And I had to tell my story. Why do you, why, 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 why? I said everything, but the part I couldn't talk about, the part of rape and things. And because I didn't mention that part, that makes me not being eligible to get a lawyer. Right.
0: Yeah. If you had said you had been raped, you would have gotten a lawyer. Yes, yes. But you didn't know that ahead of time.
1: (laughs) I didn't know, and also I wasn't ready by the time to talk about it because kind of trust and shame is like, okay, who is this person? Should I trust her or him to talk about these shameful things? And it is when I was referred to a counselor because she was friendly and kind, and like, I, had, I open up my heart and I tell everything. So my asylum was granted
0: like that quick. Because Even you went my, back and you y- added Yeah, it? yeah. Ah, oh, I see. So you worked yeah. with the therapist first. Yes. To tell her. Yeah. And that helped you get ready to write it on uh-huh. your asylum application. Yeah. yeah, And then it was approved. Yeah, 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 mm-hmm. yeah. Well, you know, you that has to be happening all the time. Uh, oh, yes. It's not easy thing to talk about. And it does take time to be yeah. ready to talk about yeah. it. Yeah, because, like,
1: retelling your story about rape is like, it's like you're, you're, you are not the same person. It's like, you are dead. It's
0: like, it's not, yeah, yeah, yeah. And when you say you are dead, mm-hmm. I feel like part of what rape does is treat a woman as if she is a mm-hmm. thing. hmm yeah. And then she carries that inside, mm-hmm. this feeling of yeah, not being mm-hmm. fully human. Yeah, Yes, and I would say that perhaps the heart of recovery is mm-hmm. yeah, being able to be free of that, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. finally. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I use my own experience to help this woman.
0: Yeah. So, is it hard for you? Like, you survived this yes, terrible assault twice. and then... You're yeah. being reminded of it. And I mean, yeah. you talk about it all the time. Like, do you feel like it keeps the wound raw inside you? Or do you feel like it... How is that for you? No, I feel like, okay, I'm not alone. And
1: I'm still alive. Even though they wanted to, me to die and keep quiet and maybe. It's like, it's it helps in... But it affects me emotionally because I'm like, okay, what's going on? When this kind of senseless things gonna stop happening. And when I look back, there is nobody, nobody's doing something to stop these things. That's what makes me feel sad and angry and yeah. Yeah. Those who have a chance to get here there is a chance for them to heal. and But
0: those who staying over there, yeah, they're very much at yeah. risk. Yeah. You talk about shame. Do you feel like hearing the stories of other women helps you with the shame? Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. There is nothing to be shameful about. I'm, I wasn't responsible for that. Yeah, I, they should be those people. They, they should be the one who feel shame. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: I didn't know nothing to deserve that. No, right. To, right. Yeah. It doesn't mean anything about your honor <laughs> yeah. or your goodness. Yeah, but it's hard to recognize that. Yes.
1: Yeah. Yeah. What upset me about this job? I work with women, and whoever comes here, you have to go through the asylum process. They tend to focus on legal studies, and like healing is not their priority. We need healthy people who are positive about themselves.
0: Maybe this is a conversation you and I could keep having, Alice. Yeah. Because yeah. there's a real need here, yeah. That I think has n- not well understood. It certainly wasn't by me before mm-hmm. I did this series, mm-hmm. yeah. And uh, mm-hmm. I, I know so many people of goodwill who would probably yeah. like to be part of something like this. So yeah, let's uh, let's see what we can do. Yeah, yeah. Alice, thank you so much for being my guest, for coming in here, for your courage and telling us these really painful stories. Mm. No problem. Thank you for having me. Mm -hmm. So if you have an interest in supporting ILAP, that's the Immigration Legal Advocacy Project or Pine Tree Legal, maybe with fundraising and donations so they could perhaps even bring some therapists on staff to help with this process, please go to their websites and look them up and we can begin this conversation with them. If you want to stay connected to these issues, you can like us on Facebook or follow us on Twitter at Safe Space Radio. You can also find us on the web at safespaceradio.com, where you can listen to any of our past shows, including our earlier series on Somali immigrants in Maine. While you're there, please click on the survey button to give us feedback about this series in particular on refugee women. Mm -hmm. My thanks to Gabe Graben for producing the show and to Jim Russell for being our editorial advisor.